Welcome to Got You Covered, presented by Hickok and Boardman Insurance Group, the podcast where we unpack the countless ways in which insurance affects our lives, and so you can properly manage your unique risk. Welcome back to another episode of Got You Covered, presented by Hickok and Boardman Insurance Group. I'm your host, Ryan Lee, a client advisor with the firm, and today we are talking about emergency action plans, EAPs. Uh, Before we get into that, though, I want to encourage all the listeners out there to check us out on our website, www.hbinsurance.com. Lots of good information on our firm, what we can do, our differentiators, and also, you can check out the podcast. We post every episode on there, and uh, we have the full transcript of each episode up there in case you want to read through the, co- the conversation that way. But today, we have Casey McLean, loss prevention advisor, risk advisor for our firm, and uh, Casey's been on the podcast before, but we're happy to welcome him back to talk about emergency action plans. Casey, Welcome. Hey, thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah. So um, before we get into it, um, you were telling me a story before the podcast that really kind of uh, sets us up very well for today's conversation. So what what was the story? What happened? And what, what were the implications of it? Yeah, sure. So uh, we had a client who had a question regarding an emergency that occurred at their facility. Uh, they had a gas leak occur. And one of the questions that came up was somebody asked whether or not they should have pulled the fire alarm to warn people to evacuate. So there was a lot of questions about how do we deal with that situation. Uh, In the end, what had happened is they got everyone out of the building. Uh, Everything was safe. They got the fire, fire department responded and they made sure everything was all good. And they got the situation dealt with. But what they found is that they actually had an employee who was using the restroom at the time didn't know this had occurred and ended up being left behind Oh my! and to say the least was a little bit upset by that fact that they were left in a dangerous, possibly dangerous <laughs> situation. Um, and I think one of the things that really came out from that was having a discussion with people about making sure that, um, you know, they have to have a system in place for alerting their employees for emergencies, but they also have to have different systems based on what that emergency is. So for a fire, we have a fire alarm system in place. So people know you pull the pull handle, the alarm goes off. People know they need to evacuate and go to an evacuation location. Right. Right. Say you're in the Midwest and there's a tornado warning and there's a tornado coming to the facility. The only alarm system you have in place is a fire alarm. Somebody pulls that to alert people that there's an emergency happening. People are going to respond as if it's a fire, they're going to walk outside which is what we don't want them to do. Right. So you want to make sure that whatever systems you have in place or whatever emergencies you might have, that there's different alerting systems for the employees so that they know how they have to react in that situation. So if the fire alarm goes off, they know they evacuate the building, they go to the evacuation point. Um, If it's a workplace violence situation, we want to make sure that they understand that they need to try and avoid wherever this action is occurring and run out of the building, hide and do whatever they need to do to keep themselves safe in that situation. But they have to have different alerts out there to make sure people know what emergency they're responding to. 
some serious implications to having this in place. So what is an EAP then? Let's jump right into that. Sure, absolutely. Uh, So an emergency action plan is basically the organized system you want your organization to use when any kind of an emergency situation occurs so that people are trained on how to respond. Uh, They know what they need to be doing and what steps they need to take. So usually you break it down by who the responsible parties are, um, what the steps are that employees need to take based on those risks that you have at your facility. Uh, So, you know, most of the common ones are going to be fire, weather emergency, power outages, uh, chemical spills, workplace Mm -hmm. violence situations. Those are some of the main ones. But if there's other risks that an emergency situation can happen that your employees might be exposed to, you want to have that developed in the emergency action plan so employees know how to respond when that occurs. There's something unique to your facility or your business that presents a a unique uh, emergency situation that could occur. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So what kinds of um, companies should be thinking about this? We have listeners, you know, maybe they're employees or business owners listening to this podcast and they're thinking about it. So, you know, who who should have one? Everybody? or <laughs> Yeah, so as far as OSHA is concerned, if you have a business that employs more than 10 people, you should have a written emergency action plan. Uh, if you have fewer than 10 employees, there's an expectation that you can communicate that effective to, effectively to them verbally. Uh, but if you have more than 10 employees, you should have an emergency action plan, uh, and it should be your employees should be trained on that so they know how to react when those situations occur. So pretty much it, it runs the gamut of businesses across the board. Um, that's the expectation in the general industry standard, uh, construction standard, the same thing. Mm. I was going to say, this. it sounds like it's something for companies, particularly in a larger facility, or you kind of have an office space that everybody comes to, at least in the morning before they go off on their work day, or everybody's there all day. But um, does it also apply to businesses that have a lot of um, remote work? Or um, is it more so kind of a localized business? Yeah, so you're going to want to make sure your employees are trained regardless of where they're at. So Mm -hmm. whether or not they're in an office area, uh, inside of a manufacturing facility, if they're at a construction site, um, if they're just in the field even doing solo work, they still need to be able to be trained and understand how to respond to situations. Uh, So you want to make sure that you're training any employee you have based on what risks they may face in the, in the jobs that they're doing and what emergencies they may have to respond to. Um, so you may have a field worker that's out, you know, in the woods doing, you know, line assessments for a power company. Um, you know, there may not be a huge risk of uh, fire or there might not mm-hmm. be a huge risk of, uh, you know, a power outage because they're not using power because they're not inside of a facility. Um, but they're going to need to know how to respond to medical emergencies if those were to occur. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may have to be trained in how to deal with severe weather as well. So you want to make sure your employees can respond based on what their exposures are. Um, But if they're doing any work in the office, they should also have that training that if we're in the office and this alarm goes off, this is how we respond. Wow. And um, typically, like these types of plans, do you see them well established for most companies? Or when you stumble upon a company uh, or even a client or whomever it might be that you're working with, you know, what's the what's the if you had to guess? Obviously, this is not very scientific, right? But like, we're just throwing a number out there. Mm-hmm. How many businesses actually have this put together? Um, 
that's a hard question. <laughs> I would, I'd have to say that it's probably fewer than should. Yeah. Um, you know, that number is probably, it's definitely not a hundred percent. Um, I would say that, you know, it's probably uh, maybe even a 50-50 split with companies that should because just a lot of places don't realize they even have to have those mm -hmm. in place. Mm -hmm. um, and that tends to be pretty common with a lot of the standards that are out there set by OSHA. You know, even the EPA and DEC, a lot of the environmental stuff that's out there as well. There's a lot of businesses that don't understand what their responsibilities are underneath these regulations that are out there. So uh, emergency action plan, though, is probably one that should be at the top of that list mm -hmm. because this is one that regardless of the industry you're in, there is an expectation you're going to have people to be able, trained and able to respond when emergencies occur because that's going to be the highest risk time for them. Right, right. So we don't have time to go through all the possibilities of different things right now, but let's take one mm -hmm. and just like break down maybe some of the steps and procedures that are typically included so the listeners can get a sense of like what we're, what we're really talking about here. Sure. So let, what's a good one that would be like top of mind for you? Um, you know, I would say recently I've been getting a lot of questions from clients on uh, workplace violence and active shooters. So and that's unfortunately, yeah. Okay. So let's break that down. So steps and procedures that are typically included in a workplace violence plan. Yep. So uh, first off, you want to have people understand that if they understand the reporting process. So, and, and this goes above and beyond with workplace violence. We're not necessarily talking about when there is an active shooter on the site committing an act of violence. Uh, this can be threatening behaviors. It could be uh, confrontations that occur. When those things occur, you want to make sure your employees are trained to know that it's their responsibility to report that to their supervisors or management mm. so that those things can be interdicted hopefully early mm -hmm. on versus mm -hmm. letting it arise to a level of actual violence. Um, you know, understanding the different types of that, that are out there. You know, there's several different types of workplace violence. Um, they've got it broken down kind of into four categories where there's criminal activity, where they, the person committing the violence has no connection to the business, no personal relationship. It's usually done in conjunction with another crime being committed. So, for mm -hmm. instance, a robbery at a store. Mm -hmm. um, you've got coworker violence. So somebody, either a former employee or a current employee who has that relationship with the business is upset about something that happened and now they're committing an act of violence against it. That's one of the more common ones we hear about. Mm. Um, Makes sense. You'll have uh, domestic violence as well, where uh, the person who's committing the violence doesn't have a direct relationship with a business, but they have a personal relationship with an employee. And that somehow has come into being an issue at work, mm -hmm. uh, which occurred at my, my, one of my former employers. We actually had a, a, a guy who his wife hit him with his car in their parking lot. Oh my God. Um, so, you know, those, oh the, those situations can occur. <laughs> so you want to kind of make sure your people understand those. Um, and then the last one is going to be your clients. So you right. may have a client or business contact that now it's a business relationship. They're upset about how that business reacted to something. And now they're reacting with violence as a result. Mm -hmm. Um, but you want to make sure people can recognize those some of those warning signs that may occur, make sure they know how to report them, and then if something does occur, how they need to respond. So mm -hmm. uh, Department of Homeland Security, FBI, uh, they've developed their processes, run, hide, fight. Mm -hmm. So the first thing you do, if there's gunfire, you run. You try to get out of the facility, get to a safe location, dial 911. If you can't do that, you're going to hide in an office, lock the door, barricade the door, 
uh, turn the lights off, turn off any phones, things like that that can make noise and try and hide away from the line of sight. Uh, and then the last set, the last part of that is the fight part, where if you're in a room, you're barricaded, you don't have an escape route, and they are able to get into that room, then you have to be able to understand that you're going to have to use, uh, you have to protect yourself and defend mm -hmm. yourself, you know, have, have some kind of a weapon, a fire extinguisher, for instance, um, is a common one. They're in a lot of locations, they're heavy, you can actually use it to actually create a smoke cloud or spray somebody in the face. Um, but to try and make sure that you can uh, disable the the person long enough for you to then escape. Yeah. Um, and then understanding not only that, so now you've gotten through that situation, but then even how to respond once law enforcement arrives. You know, when law enforcement arrives, the first initial response isn't there to care for wounded. It's not to help people evacuate. They're there to end that situation. So you need to make sure that you're approaching them with your arms up, your fingers splayed, nothing in your hands. Don't run at them. Don't scream. Don't holler. Listen to their directions, follow their directions and get out of the building. They'll, they'll basically just tell you to keep going. You're just going to keep going. You're not going to stop. You're not going to try and talk to them or tell them what's going on. You're just going to follow their directions to a T and cooperate thoroughly. Um, and there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot to this and yeah. there's a lot to all of these different yep. emergency situations. But as you were just going through that, I found myself thinking, wow, I don't know in the moment if I would have all that fresh in my mind, which is the whole point of the thing, right? Mm -hmm. Which leads me to my next question. So you establish these really critical EA, uh, EAPs for companies and um, how often are you supposed to drill employees or have them practice or run through them? Like what's the frequency on, on training of these things mm -hmm. once you have it established? Yeah, so there there isn't necessarily anything in the standard other than making sure that new employees or people who are changing roles and may have a different exposure to different emergencies need to be trained. So when somebody's brought into the company, you have to train them. And if you're moving them to a new location or a new job where they may face different emergencies or they're going to have to use different evacuation routes, things like that, that's where you're going to have to train them mm. and you're required to. My recommendation is especially with a lot of these, um, you know, there, there's no requirement for OSHA that says you have to have a fire alarm every year. I'd tell you, you should probably have a yeah. fire alarm at least once a year. Yeah. It's going to give you that ability to assess how well the building was evacuated. If there's areas of concern, uh, I'd, one of the places I used to work at, we did a fire alarm and found out that in one of the control rooms, there's no audible or, um, or visible alarm. So oh, wow. the employee yeah. didn't even know the alarm was going off until they walked out of the control room to go accomplish a task and then realized that the fire alarm was going off and then they evacuated. So we had to install a new alarm system in there with a visible strobe light so that wow. they would be aware in that room because they wouldn't know otherwise. It's crazy. Um, so an annual assessment of that's usually a good recommendation. Um, for workplace violence, you can do tabletop drills uh, to work with leadership and your team there to understand, okay, if somebody comes in this door, where are you going to get out? Um, and just kind of refresh people on that on a regular basis. You know, I would say for the most part, an annual training is probably the best bet on top mm -hmm. of the onboarding or changes in roles. Um, and that's just going to keep it fresh in people's mind, you know, because it is one of those, like you said, if you're trying to keep all of these different responses to all these emergencies in your head at all times, you're not thinking about other things like right. doing your job. Right. So you right. want to make sure you're just kind of giving people good practice on that. Yeah. Seems like uh, it could be overwhelming, but you also want to make sure it's, it's information that people could pull if they needed to. Or 
a majority of the team could pull and quickly remind someone on the team. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you, you noted at it, but, um, new employees, new hires, that should be standard part of the onboarding process. Yeah, absolutely. If you're bringing somebody in, they need to be aware of what those risks are and be made of how they need to respond immediately. Give them that process for how to report incidents. Um, you know, so if there's a fire, what do you have to do if there's a fire? You got to let your supervisor know. Uh, if you're trained and authorized to use fire extinguishers, you can use a single fire extinguisher. Um, so there's a lot of steps in there too that are there's other regulations and standards that fall into place under the emergency action plan that you kind of have to have an awareness of as well. Yeah. You have a lot of knowledge in this stuff, buddy. That's why we got you <laughs> on board. And I really appreciate you sharing some of it. You, you condensed it to about 15 minutes, which I really appreciate. But um, if someone wants more than 15 minutes, how do they how do they get in touch with you or what are the next steps? What would you recommend if it's you or somebody else? Uh, yeah, no, I would say that, you know, you can reach out to us. Um, I've, uh, we have a template actually in place. That's kind of a basic template that covers most of the main items and, and issues that are out there and main, main risks for facilities. Uh, so somebody can take that template and then they can fill it in. If there's other risks, they can add them in. Um, you know, we can, obviously we can help with that. Um, we'll also be conducting, uh, we'll have a training on our portal coming up shortly about the kind of the basic parts of an emergency action plan. Uh, that can be used just to introduce people to what's required in the OSHA standard um, as far as that goes. So that should be up on our portal shortly. We'll be working on that. Um, you know, and then it's really just kind of doing that risk assessment to understand, hey, what do we have to deal with here? Um, and how are we going to make sure our people are trained to effectively respond? The general feedback that I've had from clients is that it's it's really heavy topics at times, but the overwhelming sentiment from employees is thank you for doing this because as much as like what we just went through can be a heavy topic it's real and people feel a lot better knowing oh if that did actually happen whatever the emergency might be i feel prepared on how i'm going to respond yeah exactly you know i always thought about it that it's the you know having an emergency action plan is the same thing as having a regular business plan you know no one wants to work for a company that has no idea what they're going to be doing two weeks from now you know, so you want to make sure that you have people that are comfortable working there because they're going to know, hey, do we have a plan in place? Yeah. Well, thanks again, man. This has been very good. Uh, any closing thoughts for the listeners? Yeah, I would just check and make sure uh, you've got an emergency action plan in place. Um, you know, if you do not have one in place, it's definitely something you're going to want to uh, get set up so and get your people trained on. Perfect. Okay. Well, this has been another episode of Got You Covered presented by Hickok and Boardman Insurance Group. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you soon.